0: And welcome back to the podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is Autistically Aaron's NeuroCast podcast, where I will talk to different guests about the experience of being neurodivergent and exploring themes on disability and mental health and mental illness and a broad range of issues on that. And right now we're playing catapults. I haven't done an episode in a couple of weeks, even though we have got a couple now banked. So I thought instead of putting it out on a Thursday or one day this week, we're gonna have two days for the next two weeks. So this Monday and next Monday we'll have an extra episode just to get uh round the uh, you know backlog of episodes. So today's episode is with Davil Morris. Uh, he's uh. A Times Radio broadcast. He's previously worked on Talk Radio and now, as I said, he's uh, with Times Radio on a Saturday and Sunday night. to me about is ADHD and gives an informed discussion about what ADHD and some great tips to deal with ADHD, with it's executive functioning, uh, relationship issues, and finding the right job and the right setting for you to thrive in. It's very empowering and very helpful and useful. I think if you have anyone, if you have ADHD yourself, you suspect you got ADHD, or know somebody with ADHD, or well, somebody who like, should learn a bit more about ADHD, this might be the right interview for them. So I hope you do check this interview out and share this with people as I say says subscribe and rate and review on different uh, uh podcasting platforms as that really would help me grow this podcast yeah and you'll be and you can uh subscribe to this pa- podcast oh, and this podcasting world of uh, the new rainbow project on patreon and that will be in the episode description and um, at Ni Rainbow project on uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok and Facebook, as well as at Autistically Aaron on uh, Twitter. You lot, as I said you can get out and you also can view uh, YouTube videos uh, some free YouTube videos of the inter- of the podcast, but right now only river uh, the Harriet Kemsley interview. And I do hope you check these things out as help this podcast to grow and make a good crew out of it. Right. As I said, the podcast interview is with you now, so hopefully you'll enjoy this. So when uh, to start by letting you introduce yourself.
1: Yes, sure. So I'm um, I'm Daryl Morris. I'm a, a radio broadcaster and a podcaster. And uh, I do a weekend show, Times Radio, uh, Saturday and Sunday nights. And uh, before that, I worked in music radio, worked for XFM and Hits Radio amongst others. And um, I also make documentaries as well. Uh, So last year, I made a documentary for the BBC about web design. Um, and we could talk about that in, in a little bit because it's kind of relevant yeah. actually to to ADHD in a sense and um uh working under the documentary as well now I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was um when I was about eight or nine when I was a young a youngster
0: so yeah I only recently I noticed you had ADHD and I only re- recently seen now on your social media channel so what was it like that then Having an early diagnosis of ADHD,
1: do you? um, very helpful. I, I see that th- th- there is a, there's a lot of late diagnosis happening at the moment, yeah. isn't there? And there's a real kind of trend, I guess, of people being diagnosed in, in later life at, at the moment. And, um, whenever somebody gets diagnosed with it, in there, I was talking to Richard Bacon about this. Yeah, uh, he's he's a, a, another radio broadcaster and um, television presenter. He used to present, uh, um, Blue Peter and the Big Breakfast and various other things. And he he kind of quite famously had a diagnosis a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I was talking to him about that and, and how he sort of explained how how hard it's been to, to, to explain the way that he's been feeling and explain some of his behaviors and explain the way that he sort of approaches things differently to other people. And I guess one of the benefits for me of having a, an early diagnosis when I was a kid was that that during the, the years that that affected me the most, really, which were my school years, particularly my secondary school years. Yeah, I was able to manage it. I was able to sort of understand that. You know, <clears throat> when you get when you get a diagnosis of something like ADHD or any kind of neurodivergence, really. Yeah, the reason that the helpful thing about a diagnosis, I guess, is that it helps you contextualise what's going on in your brain. And you go, okay. I'm not an idiot, or I'm not, you know, um, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not something that's a problem with me. It's something, you know, I can, I can understand what's happening, and I can take steps to help myself cope with it day to day. And you know, yeah, I'm, I'm no doubt we'll talk about some of the things that some of the, some of the positive aspects of it as well. You know, I can use and utilize some of the positive aspects of it. And for me, having an early diagnosis just basically meant that I could do that during my most formative years at school um so it kind of and and also the other thing as well actually it really helped probably more so my parents my mum in particular I was uh, my mum was a single mother in my late uh in my sort of when when I was when I was getting the diagnosis and I think it helped them Then latterly my stepdad and my grandparents as well who were heavily involved in bringing me up kind of understand what challenges I was facing as well and, and how to best kind of manage me so I think I do think in those very very early days it was probably more a diagnosis for them than it was for me, for me. but then when I got into my secondary school uh y- career I could I could just take the steps that I needed to take to manage it manage it yeah
0: sense. as you say when you're younger then you know like there'd be more for them I guess the You so you're still love each age where still understand yourself Trying to figure out who you are and the, this part of you. So I guess for any you were younger that at age, you didn't understand a lot of probably what ADHD was. So, how was affecting you in your young years? And you know what, what were the like traits that led up to a diagnost- diagnosis?
1: And I was very restless. I could probably best describe my my school years and my early life as being very, very restless. I was constantly um, distracted, and and I think it, it certainly as I got into my kind of late. I mean, it's always been present, right? It's always been there. And and, and interestingly, when when I had the diagnosis, my granddad in particular, but also my mum a little bit, but my granddad in particular. He sort of had this eureka moment where he was like, oh my God, I, that's been me. That was me. You know, I had that when I was at school and I've had that throughout my life. And, and you know, I've got absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm basically, I am a sort of uh, carbon copy of my, it was literally a carbon copy of my granddad. Um, and and I think that he was able to, it was able to, I think it helped him put a few of things that had that had been present in his life into perspective as well but it affected me in in all the really obvious ways i mean i guess you know being distracted uh, the hyperactivity element a hyperactive brain i found it very difficult to focus on one task uh, i found myself wandering and i found myself being led astray in terms of my in terms of my sort of thinking if that makes sense like i was sort of like you know very easily led to you know something more interesting in the room i think it also i think it also made me i'm not sure actually necessarily if this is true but it certainly contributed i think to me being quite performative as a kid i was always very into drama and into uh you know entertaining people and i think that that's probably a bit of a byproduct of being of being restless and being distracted by everything else you know wanting to sort of wanting to perform i guess you know people often ask yeah. me this actually this question about you know what 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 impact did it have on you when you were younger and i i think that the i often i often say like perhaps my mum is the best person to ask that question to because because it can be quite hard for you to really remember and and, and separate what is just natural childhood curiosity and natural kind of adolescent curiosity and distraction and all the other stuff that's going on in the brain and which bits were were really motivated by by ADHD.
0: The same thing is when you get an early diagnosis, then you know what, or, like how affected you in your childhood, even though you are that early diagnosed. So for yourself, it can be a blue. even though, as you said, for your parents, maybe they, they might have spotted key things when you were a child, like your grandfather did, and realized there was like a thing, thing that, you know, like you express some traits like yourself. I'd say it's like a condition that's genetic, and that's, as I said, probably from his generation, there's not much diagnosis, and you don't really hear of the word ADHD back in them days. But as I said, you know, like, not really as self aware as a child to remember those traits of, oh, that was ADHD and then kid with that. And that's why I definitely found like, at least remember stuff like this box, that I was a bit more visible for myself. But when it came to, like, autism and, you know, like that, I was, like, a bit more invisible and, you know, like, less, you know, present things to remember. And then, as you are saying about ADHD, like, with it being a bit performative, then I think that's where you kind of see that more people with ADHD tend to be in you know, get along well in the arts and the creative industries, like, you've seen so many uh, comedians get diagnosed with ADHD at the minute. So do you think that helping your ADHD helped you into the world of radio and doing stuff like broadcasting?
1: Yeah, it's the only reason I'm doing it. It's absolutely the only reason I'm doing it. It is It is the chief reason that I am able to do this job and do it, you know, successfully enough to, to kind of, you know, for it to be a career. Um, All of the you know i think i think we 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 can, it's very tempting to talk about adhd as being as being a, a disability of sorts and and, and i think I, I think in many ways it is i think it would be naive yeah. of me to come on here and say look it's just you know it's it's all brilliant it's all absolutely fantastic it isn't yeah. it isn't it's very very difficult and it's you know and there are lots of there are lots of extremely uh, there are lots of challenges and particularly if you are uh, you know especially so I had a very a very good strong loving supportive family around me and I think that they really helped me and we all helped each other through it. I think if you don't have that it can be uh, even more challenging. Um so there's lots and lots of reasons that it's very very difficult. But it's also I also wouldn't trade it in. You know I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it in. And um and the reason I wouldn't trade it in is is chiefly because of the way in which the distraction element of ADHD Is utilized uh, is for me. I I see that really as being curiosity, right? So, like, so my ADHD makes me relentlessly curious, curious about other people, curious about how the world works, curious about sometimes the most obscure, uh, you know, finite detail of something. And and the hyper focus element, which I'm sure you've talked about, Aaron, on the podcast, and I'm sure you're kind of very well aware of, which is that, you know, once you become once you do become interested in some interested enough into some in something, it becomes all encompassing. Actually, yeah. you know you end you end up you end up sort of uh, obsessing about things quite easily. And those two things have made me brilliant at radio because I've because I've obsessed with radio. I, I the hyper focus kicked in, and I became really obsessed with all the finer details of radio. The, the the distraction slash curiosity element of ADHD means that I'm very thirsty to keep learning things about people and and interviewing people and you know what's the next big idea yeah. and coming up with ideas and all that kind of stuff and so that keeps me moving on in that direction and and what you have when you piece those things together is uh is a really great skill set it's a really great skill set and I think I was I was so fortunate because my because my school ran had its own radio station right yeah and i was i was always kind of really when i was when i was younger i was always really into politics actually um and i think i had a real sense i had a real hyper focus and a kind of an obsession for politics you know i knew the fine i would i would watch bbc parliament you know for hours on end you know i knew the finer details i knew all the main characters you know i knew the ins and outs of sort of policy and legislation and stuff like that which was you know um tragic really but uh, <laughs> but you know but helpful for me yeah and um and i always wanted to get into politics and then my my school set up a radio station and i was really fortunate have been given the chance to um to appear on this radio station and to and to do a radio show and from that moment i just knew that this was what i wanted to do i wanted to do this every day for the rest of my life i wanted to do radio and i knew that i knew as well that it was it was it was going to it, my adhd was was no longer going to be a um A hindrance, but a help. It was going to be, you know, all of a sudden, I was given the tools that I needed as an ADHD kid to make my adhd work for me this is a really big thing about what i'm trying i I went to a school recently and did a talk about this a a, a bunch of kids who who and i said i actually said to them there were were a bunch of kids who were who were um struggling a little bit you know they were they were behind in their studies and they were you know they were they were distracted in class or whatever and and they were doing kind of extracurricular bits for them like people coming in and giving them talks and stuff like that so i went and i said to them how many of you have got adhd and the amount of hands that went up was extraordinary I mean, like, I mean like most of the people in the room and i was pretty when i was a kid i was pretty much the only adhd kid in the school right in a school of seven, in a school of like nearly 1000 people uh, you couldn't you know I, I, if i'd have asked that it probably would have been me and maybe one other you know who yeah. who was who was going through the process you know i was i was the token adhd kid and 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 now loads and loads of hands were shooting up which i think is really encouraging and really brilliant but the point that i was making to them was they have to try and make school work for them. And this is what getting a, an ADHD diagnosis does for you, I think, is that you can rearrange your world so that it works for you. And yeah. what worked for me was, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example of this. So in, in GCSE English, we were studying Romeo and Juliet. In group discussions, I was able to participate brilliantly. I could, I could understand the subtexts and I could understand character development. And I was clearly i was clearly you know a, a, an advanced intellect on some of the other people in my class uh, being able to dissect and understand this piece of literature and then when it came to writing it down when it came to doing an exam for an hour where i got yeah. asked questions about that i crumbled i just couldn't do it i just couldn't i just I, you know i was never i was never able to articulate myself in that way and you know effectively enough for me to get a decent grade um my teacher at the time miss miss smith always remember this, well, Mrs. Smith probably, um, she uh, she recognized that and she arranged for me to have my, to do my English exam yeah. orally. So an examiner came in and yeah. I was able to stand in front of the examiner and I was, I was able to speak my answers, right? Which is what I did. I was a talker and I was brilliant at articulating myself through speech and talking to people and, you know, and I did, and I got I got a. I think I don't I'd, I'd love to say I got an A, but I, I think I got a high B, uh, you know, which yeah. was which was more than I was expected to get um in in that in in yeah, that it's lesson.
0: That's a great thing to get anyway. As I say with uh, ADHD, as you say with any like neurodivergency, it's like a you umbrella of different things, you know, like effects in different ways, as you say that there is there is some elements that you can struggle with and then some elements you can sign with, and I guess, with that, and with the being able to go into schools and talking about it, then you can start to talk about, like, inspiring to think that, as I said, make it work for you, and make it work for, like, make, find a way of making school work, work for yourself, as there's so many ways that, like, places like school, and then further ed- education to any work that can, might not work with a person, for ADHD already, type divergency, and they have said it's kind of a burden for that. And it's helpful if you've got like the people there that you can support you and understand you and then provide with you. As a, like, it is important to be able to have these conversations as that because otherwise people wouldn't know about much about the conditions and you know, the condition of ADHD, otherwise, the, you know, the trophy advice that people would just think of the top of, like, loud like disruptive person in the corner, and as I say, you know, it's good to make sure it's not having inventive mental and well, sometimes people think of ADHD and, as I say, making so that people can see the skills like you, you have for something like radio.
1: Yeah, I think that's very right, and I think, I think my granddad's experience probably speaks to that, you know, in that he was, when he was younger, I mean, God, he was just, you know, <laughs> If you had any divergence from from the norm, you were just simply regarded as being stupid. You know, you were thick. You yeah. just couldn't. No, that was it. You were written off basically. And I think that it's tra- it's a tragedy, really. But I think that I, don't, I think throughout the course of his lifetime, he hasn't. You know, and he's very happy. And he's, he's okay. And he's yeah, still around and he's well. And you know, he's, he's had a good life and travelled and all sorts of stuff. But I think I, I think that he has certainly not been afforded the opportunities that I've been afforded because of the way that society viewed people like him at the time. Right. I think to be part of a generation who've been able to shift the dial on that and I think is is great. You know, and see those things not only like like I say, not only as something that you have to combat, but that you can you can use some elements of it to thrive, you know. Like I use my ADHD every day. My ADHD powers me every single day to do what I want to do. You know, that 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 restlessness, that sort of desire to keep going, somewhere else to, to be, somewhere else to see, something to see, something to do constant distraction means that i stumble across a new interesting idea that becomes a documentary right and then in in the and then in the process of making that documentary i um i use my adhd again because i'm you know i'm trying to i'm I'm, I, i my hyper focus kicks in and i spend loads of time researching that thing and I will then, you know, use my ADHD to be constantly curious, and where's that taking me? And which rabbit hole am I going to fall down? You know, trying to find out more information about this part yeah. of this thing that I'm researching or whatever. And and I think it's just about giving people the tools to be able to bring the best out of themselves. And I think we've probably got to that point with yeah. ADHD now, which is great.
0: Yeah, not yeah, great. Yeah, like as I said, there's some some way to progress of it and make sure things work. But as I say, and it's like, big things come along a long way. And as I said, it can help you in your like, day, day-to-day life. As I said, you know, if you're having a curious mind, then you work in the fields of journalism. And now, as I said, you used to work in like XFM and uh music radio. But now, as I say, you work, you worked then for talk radio, talk TV, and now you have Times Radio. And I guess having a curious mind has helped you in the world of journalism, and, and like having an ADHD type mind can help you in the world of journalism for something. As I was just saying, I, going back to like when you started to get hyper like, focus and uh, get curious about even the BBC Parliament. Now you know, like you can tell how much of like it has helped with your career so far, yes. like, and then helped you like, into radio. Like yes, massively. Topic, your
1: journalism. Yeah, massively, massively, and and, and you know that that was a real watershed moment, I think. And again, I think this is the importance of a diagnosis because when I was get when I was sort of stepping into the world of work and I was coming to figure out what I wanted to do, and you know, radio, I was doing lots of radio, and it became quite clear that radio was something that I wanted to do. You know, I was able to recognise that that my ADHD was going to be an asset, right, rather than a rather than a hindrance. And I think as soon as that that, that moment kind of clicked, um, I, I, pro- I probably wouldn't have, I, 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 I'm not sure necessarily if I would have been as confident of, of, of my ability to do this had I not known that I had ADHD, right? Because it was always yeah. kind of there as a bit of a secret weapon that I had, that I knew that I was particularly, I had this sort of particular set of skills that that gave me an advantage on, on other people through having ADHD. And And so I think it actually ended up where in the classroom it would give me – an uh, it, it was sort of baggage. It would probably hinder my confidence. When it came to doing this job, it certainly it, – it, it boosted my confidence in a way. And, you know, now, now in the industry, the people that I come across – there are so many people that I come across that I either think you've got ADHD and you don't know it, or I sort of feel like I can diagnose it a mile off, right? <laughs> there's, there's so many people that I come across, I go, yeah, you've definitely got ADHD, even if you don't know it. And people who have been diagnosed with ADHD, it's the, the, this industry is absolutely littered with them, littered with them. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so as just say that, you know, like if I was at a certain point when you were like within the industry that it was a secret weapon for, for yourself, was ever point where you were diagnosed, but you didn't uh, talk about it as much. So, have you always been as open and talkative about your experiences with ADHD?
1: Yeah, I have. I have tried to be. Yeah, I have. Um, I think perhaps the, the the only time that I felt a bit a bit reticent was was school, really. And, and when people uh would ask me about it i tried to do my best to explain it i've never i've never sort of felt you know ashamed to yeah. to, to be adhd that that hasn't ever crossed I've, I've sort of like i'm not even sure that i've been conscious of the potential to be ashamed of ashamed of being able adhd i guess that's because I guess the early diagnosis comes into it again yeah. because really it's all I've ever known. Being ADHD was a way of explaining who I was and what I was about and why I was doing certain things and why I was a certain way. So it was, it was almost like, you know, if somebody, if somebody had a problem with something that I'd done and I knew, you know, not to exploit having ADHD, but you know, if I, if I knew that, if I knew that my ADHD was present in something that I'd done wrong or, or, you know, needed to explain, needed to be accountable for Then I knew that it was, I knew it was something I had in my pocket that I could say, listen, I'm sorry about that. I've got, listen, I've got ADHD. I'm sorry. I've, I'm sorry. I've uh, been distracted and not achieved what I want to achieve here. Can I have another crack at it? It's, you know, my ADHD is in play. So there's been that element of it. I, I think I found it a little bit hard to explain sometimes to my my friend my school friends who probably didn't quite get it and i probably wasn't articulate enough in being able to explain what it was especially because i think i think attention deficit hyperactivity disorder obviously is a bit a bit wordy uh, and uh, and a bit complicated for a for a school pupil to yes. understand and i think that i think some of them got the wrong end of the stick and assumed that it meant that i craved attention um sort of like attention deficit disorder meaning that i Hadn't been given enough attention, and I needed now to be given attention, yeah. uh, which actually sort sort of is, is true, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that isn't that isn't the yeah. that isn't what attention deficit disorder of actually stands for. So there was a, there was I always found that perhaps slightly tricky to explain, and would maybe back away from explaining it sometimes, but certainly I've worn it as a badge of honor. You know, just just absolutely just I, I just think it's such an ingrained part of me and i think it explains so much about who i am and what makes me tick and i think it's such a brilliant asset in what i do and i'm so proud of the way in which my mum reacted to it and my teachers and certain teachers helped me and i'm proud of the fact that i got that early diagnosis and i'm really keen to i'm i'm, re- I'm very keen for nobody to live a life of unexplained restlessness that I want to talk about it at every opportunity. I want to explain it at every opportunity. I want to tell people who've got ADHD, um, you know, that that it's going to be okay. And that actually there's lots of really great benefits and that there's lots of things, you know, you, you, you're you not an idiot and you're not stupid. It doesn't make you different really. You know, it makes you, it makes you superhuman. Yeah. It makes you, it makes you great and superhuman. And I also want to reach those people who perhaps feel that reference, that restlessness, and have never been able to categorize it and it's plagued them more than it's helped them, right? Yeah. So I think on those, on those, on that basis, I've never struggled talking about it or, you know, wanting to be open about it.
0: I think that's an amazing thing to be able to, you know, have the ability to do because, you know, growing up in a, uh, as a teenager or as a child, it can be quite a or stri- struggling thing to be able to be as open and honest about yourself especially personal things about yourself. I'll say it was only like later on and like when I started to become an adult 18, that I felt comfortable like opening up there uh, about my, you know, divergences. I could have, like, yeah, I had diagnosis before. I could have done it years ago and I kind of felt then, which I kind of did it years before. But I was saying, it's to really you felt comfortable and re- you were able to uh, start co- talking to you like, your friends, as you said, even though like you may have not been articulate with the words, as you know, you are. But as I said, it's quite great that you were able to, I think, have the support from like your school, your parents to understand what ADHD is. Now, just talk about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I and I also think that I also think that that's relevant at home it's sort of my home life as well yeah. right because I've talked a lot about my career and how ADHD has kind of powered my career and the, yeah. the restlessness curiosity thing and the hyper focus thing works really well for when you find a passion and you make that you make that passion your career and you know the contribution to journalism but also I've got a home life as well which is yes you know my 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 partner Michaela Sort of explaining to her some of my behaviour as well, you know, and her understanding that she describes she she describes me as having a busy mind. She, I said, you've got a busy mind, and I think that's a really nice way of describing yeah. it. You know, that's that's a very good way of describing it. And sometimes that means, you know, she'll she'll kind of yeah. she recognises that sometimes I go from being intensely lo- intensely loving to to a bit distant, like quite quickly. And yeah. there's quite a quick there's quite a quick kind of interchange between those two those two states. And I think if she didn't understand that my ADHD was at play there and that I was being intensely loving one moment because I love her intensely and then I'm, and then a bit distant the next, but just because my mind's on something else, it's not yeah. a reflection of how I feel about her. It's just because my mind has taken me to somewhere else and, I, and I've got to think about this for a moment and I've got to understand this and I've got to write this down, whatever it is that I'm thinking right now. If she didn't understand that, and if she didn't yeah. understand the dynamics of that being ADHD, I think it would make a relationship extremely difficult. I think that she would, I think I'd be too difficult to live with. Whereas she's able to go, okay, this is just Daryl's ADHD. The kitchen's a mess, but he's had a brilliant day of writing, you know? So yeah. I've we've got to get the, two, the balance between those two things, and I've got to accept that that's the way that these things <laughs> these things go. Yeah. So I think that's been very helpful for us, and it's been very helpful in, in, in our home yeah. life as well.
0: Because, yeah, it does help, I guess, to think of, like, understanding that as you say we've been talking about why it's like working with radiates super. but as i said you know like probably for home life in your day-to-day life you know where uh, as i said you know sometimes you know like you're focusing on so many different things around time and as you get uh, busy brain and then as i assume that sometimes you may have like certain tasks i want to do like i'd say you might have things you need to tidy up probably messy and then, you know, like, can be struggling between bouncing from one thing to another, remember remembering what to do. or, like finish off the task you already started. So, I guess there are some things that probably like still establishing routines and like ways of doing things and all. Like,
1: yeah, and it doesn't stop her getting annoyed at me because she is, yeah. she is still, and she's allowed to be annoyed at me about those yeah. things. But it, it helps. A, it's a card that I can play and I can say, listen, I'm so sorry, you know, this has this yeah. happened because I've got ADHD. But it also just eases. It just removes a lot of friction. I think from our relationship. Yeah. I think it removes a lot of friction from our relationship. Um, and you know, and also it helps me be conscious of it as well. And I and I I can go. You know, if if I haven't done something I need to do, or something's been left undone, or you know, one of the benefits of one of the real benefits of this of of and this kind of like this is more of a professional point than a than a personal point. But what are the benefits of being ADHD in a creative yeah. role? If you have an ADHD member of staff, right? Yeah. Let them work whenever they want to work, right? Yeah. Take them off a of rota. Don't have them working 9 to 5 Monday to Friday. Let them just let them build their own schedule and their own week. You will always get the best out of them. Because that's what I do. Now I do that because I'm afforded the chance to do it. Yeah. Um and actually I, I so I, my the sort of rhythm of my week is that I do I do a radio show Saturday and Sunday night. 10 till 1 so that's fixed in the week that has to i have to be there it has to happen and and actually i do wonder sometimes that if it wasn't fixed in the week then it probably wouldn't happen i would would never get around to doing it but i've but i've i know that i've got this looming at 10 o'clock on saturday night i'm going to be sat in front of a microphone in a studio and i'm gonna i better i better have something to say for myself and i better have some guests booked and i better you know there better be something you know come and get (laughs) better be something interesting going on because a radio show is going to happen. You've got three hours of radio to fill. So I think putting things in your week like that, that are sort of like really hard deadlines around that, I can sometimes have my very best ideas at two o'clock in the morning, as everybody does, no, no doubt about that. Yeah. Fine. But then but then I've got to work on them then. Yeah, I've got to work on it right then. And actually, the, the, there are lots and lots of examples of me struggling to get sleep at night and coming in here. I'm in my home office now you know, coming from my bedroom into here and spending two or three hours writing up my best ideas, you know, writing a column, you know, putting writing some scripts for something that I'm going to do for the radio. And actually some of my best work gets done there and then. If I waited to get onto that nine to five thing, if I was going to say, right, I'm going to sit in the office 9am to 5pm, the quality of the work wouldn't be great. I wouldn't get as much done. I'd be distracted. You know, there are some days when there are some days I wake up and I go, do you know what? Today, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be able to sit at my desk and I'm not going to be able yeah. to bang out loads of great work. I'm going to watch that film that I want really needed to watch. I'm going to read that book. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a coffee. And during that process, I'll have some really good ideas and then I'll be able to craft them at the times that I feel like I'm able to craft them. So I think everybody experiences that, I think. I think that's something that, that, that lots and lots of people experience. Yeah. I think ADHD heightens that experience, really. I think it makes it more intense. So I think I think you know, I think I think having the diagnosis of ADHD makes me recognize that and I don't fight it too much. And so yeah. around the around the house is the same. Like today I might not do any cleaning, right? I might not do any cleaning today, but tomorrow I might go absolutely mad and I will clean for seven hours and the house will be absolutely spotless. And so that's when the cleaning is going to get done. And so Michaela comes home and she's not going to be annoyed that I that I haven't done a certain thing. She knows it's going to get done, but it needs to get done on my schedule.
0: Yeah, I understand that because I guess if you've been focusing on one thing, then, you know, like it's hard to factor in that there's so many several different things may have to do around the house. You know, if you've got, like, a list of things that you might have to do in a day, it's hard to, like, sometimes switch from one task to another, and they think that it to be applicable over different words i and conditions on a day can be quite a relatable thing then. And I think when you were saying about that restlessness and popping up the ideas and continually working on like, you work on your own schedule and it's hard to like, control that sometimes I guess from that, can be hard to sometimes establish proper like like rest breaks and rest times. and um, know how to like manage like a sleeping routine and get like a, a routine of like being calm and relaxed and switching your brain off.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I do think you have to be quite disciplined with yourself. There, there, there's a there's a healthy balance to be struck. I think between giving yourself enough freedom in your day or your week or whatever to be able to sort of act a little bit on impulse. To be able to sort of get the best out of yourself, it's not even just achieving stuff. I mean, I could, I could probably sit down, I could probably do a nine to five, right? And I could sit down and I could do nine, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five, and I could probably tick off the things I need to tick off on the list. But would they be brilliant? Would they be done really well? Would they be the best of me? They probably wouldn't, would they? And I think that it's about it's about that really. It's about getting the best out of you. But also apply, apply. You do have to apply discipline. I mean, my diary is a is a work of art, right? You know, if my my, my sort of calendar on my iPhone, and I've got, I also have. I use te- you know, you can use technology to do this as well. So I have uh, everything's an Apple product, which um, yeah. you know, I suppose I suppose is the same for quite a lot of people these days. But but that's quite important for me because it means that I've got my calendar and my to do list and my emails and all sorts of other bits and bobs, you know, on my on my phone. Yeah. That, that corresponds with my laptop, that corresponds with my iPad, right? So wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I'm sort of hooked up to my organization machine. And my diary is a work of art. If it's not in my diary, it doesn't happen. And I know that if I didn't do that, if I didn't keep a, a really reg- regimented diary, if I didn't keep notes, if I didn't stay organized, it would be utter chaos, total chaos. So again, I think one of the benefits of having ADHD yeah. we've talked a lot about the benefits of ADHD is using the positives and sort of knowing, knowing how to, you know, use your hyper focus and, you know, use your curiosity to pick the right career and, you know, utilize it in your professional life and explain some of your behavior in your personal life. And perhaps, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break and all that sort of stuff. But another really important thing as well is managing the bits, the downfalls, right? The bits where life is really tough, like life can be very, very tough when you're not very well organized. And so and so I go to extreme lengths to make sure that I am fully organized. This this office is my office, right? And yeah. I've got this I've got this room. And I'll just I'll show you. So I've got the white I've got some whiteboards up here with sort of the various projects that I'm working on and some various notes and stuff and a couple of other bits and bobs and then my kind of, you know, my desk, my desk is here. And if I didn't Michaela knows that if I didn't have this room, it would be a nightmare because i yeah. need somewhere to put my brain on the wall and i need thing is so i need to use these tools these mechanisms to organise myself and to organise my life as a bit of a crutch for those bits yeah. that are that the that, that, that are going to be difficult for me and again i think just knowing that and putting those things in place can be a massive benefit
0: yeah i said it's important thing to know it's like kind of like life facts to think of hey, you know what i was just saying that put that thing there on you like at least, you know, you placing things, where place, place. It's like something that, when I was talking to a, a comedian last night who was as dyspraxia, yeah, Harriet Kemsley, I don't know if you would know of her, but she, she was saying that, important to have for herself in a ca- calendar, like, even, like, times of, like, once she would need to, like, leave the house, or, time yes. off, you know, doing certain things like that. Yes. It's like learning things in the way of, like, having, like, a calendar, or having, like, Reminder set up for even like the simplest tasks in your day to day to make sure you can like able to visualize what you need to do day in, day out, and find a way of doing that. And uh, as I say, you got like places for like when you look at your whiteboards to where you know you would find you like your uh, computer and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- Because those are, the, those are the sort of uh crutches and the structures around which. You can be creative, right? Yeah. So if I can get all those kind of things in place, and I can be, and I, you know, I know that I'm organised on those fronts, that gives my brain the freedom to then sort of rest and be creative, and 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 do the creative bit. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't get very far, I don't think.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm also learning. I'm, I'm learning quite a lot about ADHD as well. Um, again, one of the, one of the slight downsides of having an early diagnosis is that yeah. when you're when you're, I think I was somewhere, I can't. This is the up for debate between me and my mum. She can't quite remember either. Uh, between I was somewhere between eight and ten when I got the diagnosis, and one of the issues about being that age is that you're not particularly interested in the finer details of it, right? Yeah. So it's actually only as I've got into adulthood that I've started to like kind of research it and and talk and and figure out more about what I, what ADHD actually is and what it's doing to me. And one of the things that I've always struggled to account for is the hyperactivity bit because I was yeah. I was hyperactive. I was sort of hyperactive as a kid, and I am still sort of hyperactive now a little bit, but nowhere near, but not really a massive amount more than anybody else. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's really, and, and I suddenly, I read something the other day that really brilliantly explained this to me, which was that the hyperactivity element of having ADHD is as much about the hyperactivity of the brain, right, and how hyperactive your brain can be. Um, Which kind of, which is absolutely right. I don't know why I didn't think about that. I don't know why that didn't land with me sooner. But I thought that was really, really interesting. And so, if your brain is kind of hyperactive, and it is, my brain is hyperactive yeah. a lot of the time. Having those tools and those mechanisms around that keep in a place, a sort of scaffolding, if you will, for my yeah. brain, become yeah. really, really important. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it can kind of has come quite important now. And I was you said, you know, like. You know, but I guess one right, reason why you like didn't realise that before, I guess it's like when those invisible parts of ADHD that, you know, like from like a neurotypical or like an un person, it's one thing that they wouldn't see because as you say, you know, like you know, you were told to as a child about being hyperactive physically then, you know, and it's not like anybody would see the hyperactive, busy mind that's going on behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I guess that what was, as you were saying about when you've been into schools to start talking about this stuff. And what I think is important is having those conversations. I'll say, I think even though you had your, your diagnosis, I guess you probably would have found like having a person like yourself coming into school and starting to talk about ADHD at least gives that space to start to like know some, some of those finer details as a child. Because I, like I found when I got diagnosed uh, with dyspraxia and uh, autism, at least now, like with dyspraxia, I knew like, kind of like the more physical traits of challenges, of like struggling with like two laces and certain practical tasks, knew about that, but like some of the more organisation, structural stuff, I uh, kind of like learned later on, and as and then with, God autism, it took, took me a while to start to understand that. So I I find that probably with the more invisible traits, then it's like you, if you have an early diagnosis, it's still throughout your life. You're, like, trying to find the pieces and, you know, put it together how it affects yourself. And maybe, like, sometimes as a parent, you might not have the best resources. And, you know, like, to go and be able to learn how to best support yourself know your child, as you know, you even though you said you you like your mother and your parents, kind of found a way of not bit about it.
1: Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, 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 also think it <clears throat> the other the other thing as well that I, I was kind of keen to talk to you about. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether your what your experience is of this, and and I think this this is one element that I'm only really coming to terms with lately.
0: Yeah,
1: is the emotional element of, of of adhd as well and the emotional yeah. impact that it has because we've talked a lot about the kind of practical which is which yeah. is you know being organized you know understanding when you're being distracted yeah. using that distraction to your advantage and build making documentaries uh hyper hyperactivity you're know, managing yeah. that at home etc but there's one there's one thing that that um Really stood out to me quite recently. I was listening to a podcast by uh, Rory Smith and Alistair Campbell. It's like it's like a their hit podcast, massive yeah. hit podcast to the, about, about politics. The rest is politics. Yeah, listen
0: yeah. myself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 they were talking a little bit about it was around the time that the whole Liz Truss quasi Quatang yeah. debacle was unfolding, and Rory Smith described them as being a bit ADHD. He said that he said uh, he said you know uh, Liz Truss and Quasi Kwatang are acting a little bit ADHD and and I was yeah. I sort of like I, w- I wasn't quite sure what he meant by that and I was waiting for the yeah. explanation like in what in what sense what do you mean in what sense and he said as if they have a bit of a an, as if they're struggling with empathy and they're struggling with to to understand yeah. the the emotion. And that really stood. Out. I, I was like, I paused the podcast, and I drafted an email that I think I sent to him, and I can't remember. Maybe I didn't. Um, and I, I, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole at that point because I thought, yeah. I thought that isn't ADHD at all. That's a total mis- That's a total misreading of what ADHD is. Yeah, because ADHD heightens those that sense of emotion, and it heightens that sense of yeah. of, em- of empathy. Right, and and this is one of the things that I've been kind of grappling with of late. Is why do i feel such a a sense it's such an immense sense of emotional empathy and you know damagingly so actually kind of where it where it it leads to it leads me to sort of absorb other people's feelings in a way that is detrimental and you know leads to leads to anxiety and it leads to you know it's never quite it's never quite led to depression but i know that for me but i know that I yeah. know that I know that's a path that I could easily walk.
0: i kind of moments where you can just feel a bit sad or like you know, it's like, yeah, you know, like everyone else, not, without being like depressed and as a condition, everyone kinda of like has those days where you kind of feel a bit more down or you mood.
1: But also deeply, deeply affected by what people think about yeah. me. You know, really anxious about uh, the contribution that I'm making to the world and you know, a real just, just really heightened emotion, really, yeah. really heightened emotion, and a real sense of of emotional empathy, and I, it struck me that it struck me, and you know, yeah. Rory, not not, not to sort of want to not to want to kind of gag up upon Rory Smith because I'm I'm uh, sure he's a decent enough guy, but I think he got that wrong, and yeah. it and it, tr- it troubled me that there are there are people who think that you know having ADHD comes with a with a lack of emotional empathy, and I yeah. think I think I think there's, there's probably a part of that is because. Is because sometimes the the outward expression of ADHD can be quite selfish, can't it? You you can you know the 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 and this is the thing about my girlfriend is that Michaela kind of trying to grapple with you know why I'm really affectionate the one one minute and why I'm really distracted the next or I'm not affectionate or I'm quite cold you know the next minute. Yeah, I think that can pr- perhaps present itself as being a bit emotionally detached, whereas in reality, what's happening yeah. is you are hyper attached emotionally. You're hypersensitive. Uh, I'm incredibly, incredibly emotionally sensitive. I'm very, very empathetic. Yeah. I feel deeply torn apart by people's suffering. And if I've harmed somebody or if if somebody's yeah. being harmed, I really struggle with those kind of senses of injustice and, and all that sort of stuff. I absorb other people's feelings really readily. I think that's something that I'm trying to kind of grapple with with my ADHD is yeah. A how to manage that and B what kind of impact is that having.
0: As you were saying very always to it said, you know, because you know it's punked off. Yeah, it's kinda of like similar to many people, you know, like wrongly assume what O C D is and you know like as in like an end and all that you know, like some people have like a certain image of conditions and you know like as I was saying it's very one dimensional and it's the wrong end of the stick of what the condition is, and as I say, ADHD is like an umbrella condition, not. Of- like, so many different experiences are as much as it can present physically as certain things. It's like, if you don't have it, you don't see what's behind the scenes of it. And then, with like being a neurodivergent condition, I think empathy is divergent from that because we empathize as neurodivergent people can solve quite a different form how we like it typically shows up for everyone else and say that you gave empathize and that's something that when he was talking to another person, on a podcast with ADHD who are inter that make me the Prime Minister. So as you were saying that going on that you like realize how much of total injustice and it quite hyper empathetic and, and how much, you know, like an ADHD person like listens in and cares about people and with the you know the words associated with or, like the deficit of tension deficit sometimes like people get the wrong end of the stick of what that means.
1: I don't think deficit works, does it really? Yeah, as, as, a, as a term, yeah.
0: I, I, you know, I don't think it's a deficit of anything.
1: Actually, yeah. I think I think you know I think it's an abundance, an overabundance of stuff, yeah. isn't it? Really, you know, it's an overabundance of curiosity. It's an overabundance of uh, of empathy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a sort of. It's an, it's you know it's an it's an over, it's quite an overwhelming experience, yeah. isn't it, having ADHD? So I, yeah. I, I think I think that's that's right, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty of work going on 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 that, and you know that's yeah. probably probably for somebody who's cleverer than me to to to, to figure out whether that really does need renaming and recategorizing, yeah. but but yeah, I guess. But these conversations are really helpful, right? And, yeah, and, and it's helpful. And,
0: yeah, important. as you say, saying that you know, like with the term deficit. I think sometimes like the language that has been traditionally used reflective of uh, like a non-ADHD person of how they might have saw ADHD and as you're saying with like empathy you know like I think people who have ADHD or autism dysfactor or any type of neurodivergencies they we are quite hyper empathetic but I think we can show uh, empathy in a different way that might be a bit less obvious to somebody else because I say that it, since your mind works definitely, especially to see myself with people sometimes don't have, like, social rules or, you know, similarities like that with other people.
1: Definitely, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think, I also think kind of like, to, to uh, sometimes empathy to a, to a fault, actually, sometimes, you know, yeah. the, the, where it really, I'm kind of conscious of it not, I'm trying really hard to to, to not let it take me over and, and overwhelm me and flood me really because i think that's the other thing as well Is it can really flood you and and you can be really buried by it where it becomes anxiety and it and it, and it becomes yeah. depression and it, you know it 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 takes you to a it takes you to a bad place and i think that that's i think that the you know adhd i adhd also comes with a with a with a propensity to addiction as well and to be addicted yeah. to things and I've never really like it's not that that's never been that's never necessarily been a, a problem for me, you know, in so much as I've never had a I've never had an alcohol addiction. I've never yeah. had a drug addiction. You know, I've been very fortunate in that in that res- respect. But I think some but I think that, you know, you think addiction, don't you? And you you think about drugs, you think about alcohol, yeah. you think about those kind of like typical social issues that yeah. that people would attribute to, to the term addiction. Yeah. But actually, sometimes that addiction can be. An addiction to feeling something, an addiction to—I don't know—perhaps even perhaps you know that sort of overlaps with the hyperfocus thing as well. But but a, but a sort of you know an overabundance of something, right? And 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 yeah. I think sometimes my ADHD leads leads me to an overabundance of emotion, which becomes a burden, which becomes unhelpful, <laughs> and yeah. becomes a becomes a barrier. Um, and so I'm constantly kind of trying to keep. A, Keep a track of that and when that's happening.
0: Yeah, as I said, like as I will say that you know, like certain traits can be like a two pronged fork, you know, like both a good thing and both a bad thing. As you saying that probably in the job of journalism, it has helped to empathise and have compassion with people, and you know, especially when you're talking on certain stories and like when you've done like stuff like talk talk radio and talk TV because, you know, that was like a phone-in station, to be able to empathise with the listener, especially if you're talking about stuff like mental illness or, you know, like certain way of uh, topics, I guess it was important to empathise with the listener, but probably like going through like stuff like the pandemic and like certain stuff over the news and working in the world of news, I guess, some certain times, I guess, it can be quite overwhelming then, you know, like... When you empathise with certain headlines or like certain themes in the news, and it gets quite messy, it?
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, the, I, I I wrote a bit about the early pan- the early pandemic and and what kind of impact that had, what what kind of absorbing emotion and information as rapidly as you yeah. do when you've got ADHD had on. I think I, I've never I haven't actually really considered ADHD's role in me feeling that way up until this point. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. And I think just to explain that story what basically what was going on was I was doing the overnight show at the time on uh what was the old the old talk radio. So it was speech radio but I was doing so the show was 1 a.m. till 4 a.m. Sorry, it was 1 a.m. till 5 a.m. So it was a really brutal time of the day, you know. Like it was my first, it was my first show on speech on a speech radio station. So I was kind of starting at the bottom. And it was, it was really difficult and really brutal. And you would sleep all day and you would work all night. And um, you know, I'd get to bed about 8 a.m. I'd wake up at about 4 p.m. Uh to try and get my eight hours, and the world would just hit you like a steam train. Right, so yeah. like that that happened anyway in normal times. Never mind when when suddenly the the news was on fire about this this impending spread, this impending virus. Um, and I, I would, you would, you know, I would, I, I recognize myself. And this may have happened anyway, whether or not there was a pandemic. But I found myself becoming just increasingly anxious, increasingly anxious about that four o'clock wake up. When suddenly my phone would be full of notifications and I'd have to be, and obviously because of the job, I had to, I had to be across the news as well. Right. So, so it wasn't like I could kind of turn it off really. Um, and, and they would hit me like a steam train and then I would try and wrap my head around the news, have a conversation with the producer, have something to eat Go into work, you know, record some bits and bobs. Be on at one a.m. And, and in in a radio studio. I don't know if you've ever been in a radio studio, but 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 it, but uh, there, there there tends to be screens everywhere, right? So there's lots of screens kind of in yeah. front of you with the information you need. But there's also TV screens because you kind of need to keep across what's going on. If there's some breaking news, you yeah. might need to be across it, or whatever. So we we have maybe four or five screens in front of us that have got the news channels on them. So that's rolling news throughout the night. Yeah. And we were talking about this virus, yeah, well before anybody else was because it's an it was an international show. We covered a lot of international news because it was a, a late night show. Sorry, we covered yeah. a lot of international news, so we were covering news out of China quite regularly. And the big story out of China for for several weeks before it became a big news here was the emergence of this new virus. So we were talking. Well, I'd been talking about this since mid January, right? So I was I had this sort of combination of things where where I was waking up at 4pm to a whole stack of news alerts. I was then trying to grab my head around this terrible news. Then I was staying up all night, really, you know, with the news channels on and talking about this stuff. And it became, understandably, it became overwhelming. And there was one day I remember waking up and, you know, there was that period, wasn't there, sort of mid-February? Yeah. When all of the news was about the virus. Right, but there was there was really no other news. Like there was just it was just because everything out everything was being affected. So yeah. sport was sport was being cancelled. So the sports news was about the virus. Uh, you know, people were being asked to stay. At home. You know, people were working from home a bit more. Yeah. We weren't being it wasn't locked out at that point. But yeah, yeah no, were... it
0: was like you know, like started to see stuff like from like people coming from to you, in Italy or wherever. If you like calling into your like your local. Uh, you know, like surgery with the scene like loads of things plastered about it, you know. Yes. And yeah, you know, like, yeah, the cost and you kinda crept of in and yeah, because it felt so real.
1: It was just everywhere, wasn't it? It was yeah. just everywhere. And I remember I remember I woke up one one day, one afternoon, and uh, after the night shift, and the 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 news alert that I woke up to was uh the Canadian tourist industry. You know, how how is I don't know why I got this notification. Yeah, but, but the notification was, you know, how is the pandemic going to de- – how the pandemic is going to destroy the Canadian tourist industry? And I had a panic attack, right? And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking at that point, I can't be having a panic attack about the Canadian tourist industry. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's totally ludicrous. Why on earth would I do that? Um, and I realized then that I needed, I needed to stop. I needed yeah. to take a break. So I had a, I had a week off, actually. So it was the week just before lockdown – I had that yeah. week off and I came home and I watched reruns of the Royal Family, the the, the sitcom yeah. uh on on TV, on you know, yeah. player or whatever it was, and I just disconnected for a week. And I think what I've recognized about that time was yeah, and actually from then, from then having had that time off,
0: yeah,
1: and understanding how I was taking stuff in, I actually settled and I actually quite I had quite a good pandemic in terms of my mental yeah. health. You know, in terms of how I was feeling, and you know, navigating through it, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I recognised that the, the, there was something present in ADHD that meant the overwhelm. It was I was yeah. sort of my, my I wasn't able to. I was struggling to know which information to take in and which information not to take in. And that information that was coming at me about the Canadian tourist industry felt yeah. like really consequential and really important. It felt like I was being attacked by yeah. a bear. And the primal bit of my brain yeah. couldn't differentiate between stuff that I should be panicking about and stuff that I shouldn't be panicking about, yeah. if that made sense.
0: But, but I think probably when you've seen the thing about the Canadian tourist industry, it probably wasn't the Canadian tourist industry. It's probably like seen about the pandemic infant deal. And, like, yeah. and like, even though like, you might review the words pandemic, but like, you know, like there's certain things, like, point where, you know, like even after discussing it or like seeing pop up a few times, it's like, you have, like, that, like, moment, you think, ah, pandemic, we can run, I guess. thing is, I think in that period, like, with lots of people, you know, like, you at that moment, like, it might come a bit later on, like, that, within that, like, period of, like, February, to March, you kind of, like, notice when, like, things going to be a bit different from you on. From on. Like, yeah. Per- yeah, like, personally, myself, I, like, like, you kept on waking up and feel like you were in ground day and like, oh, yeah, this is still her reality. But yeah, I was just saying that, I guess, for yourself, because, like, you know, it's, it's your job to focus on the news. And mm. I suppose with like the uh, working late nights as we were. And as you say, Nat sometimes you your best ideas in late nights. And like probably for somebody like who has ADHD or the without and then that's the thing where you, if you're like in a just in a dark room mostly by yourself and just like probably not like facing somebody to talk to, I guess then that like things are probably like felt a lonely thing to do and then you left a bit more with your thoughts than as would maybe a thing. Like in the daytime, as you'd be a bit more separated up between like going for walks or like seeing sunlight and all that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, you know, having doing a, doing a late shift like that has an effect on it, you know, it has a really bad effect on anybody, really. You yeah. Know, we're not, we're not really built to do it to work like that. So that would have, that would have, that would and does, you know, affect, affect anybody. I guess, I guess the ADHD element is that yeah. those, those senses are heightened. Yeah. That, ex- that experience is heightened. You know, it's a little bit like, um, I think you. I think. I think with with when you have ADHD, and actually quite quite this is probably quite relevant to to, to most neurodivergent yeah. conditions. Really, is that you you experience thing is that some things are dulled, and some things are heightened, and you kind of live in those extremes, right? Yeah, where where you're where you're sort of like your experience of thing is either a bit dulled or 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 really intense. Yeah, and I think that that my experience of Following the news and, and that period and like doing the overnight shift and all that sort of stuff, you know, it was just it was just intense. It was really in- intense. I was absorbing yeah. every single aspect of it, um, and I think that's probably quite relevant to a- to ADHD as well. Which which yeah. brings us back to the, you know, to Rory Smith's point about about a yeah. lack of e- a lack of empathy. Actually, yeah, it, the opposite, the absolute yeah. opposite. Too much empathy.
0: That you know, it's like you know, we are feel like feeling sometimes a bit and, done, you know, like sometimes a bit, you know, like all too much, then I think that's like related to as you say, it does relate to having neurodivergent conditions, like a sensory process and thing that or you can sometimes be hypersensitive or hypersensitive to some things, and i say that's like when those are overlapping traits of ADHD with the neurodivergent conditions.
1: Yes, definitely. I I think I think that's true, and I think that... Yeah. Being, you know, again, the importance of a diagnosis is that you're able to be aware of that sort of stuff, and you can think, th- you can think it through, and you can, you can catch yourself a bit, you know, when you're, when you're, when you can feel yourself becoming overwhelmed yeah. with emotion, or you feel yourself being distracted at a time when actually you need to be focused. Yeah, you can, you can, you can just catch yourself and go, like, yeah. hang on a minute, you know, this is your ADHD is pulling down this path. Yeah. stay on track.
0: And yeah, as you're saying about that, you know, like, and I think that was important that you caught yourself then, you know, like, like one of the weeks just before lockdown uh, and like, you know, like experiencing the news coming up ahead of like it being, turning from like an epidemic and then travelling all the way to Britain, the virus and that. So I guess then at least being able to see that in yourself and taking time to process your emotions to think, all oh, right, I need to have a break now because I guess you were feeling quite burnout then and knowing how to take self-care.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I, 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 And I think we need to encourage that, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, exactly. I, I went on a bit of a crusade after that about, and and, and so I still am really. Take a break. If yeah. you need to take a break, take a break. You know, do not be afraid to stop. Do not be afraid to down tools for a bit yeah, uh, if you're feeling burnout, if you're feeling overwhelmed, again, experiences that are heightened with with Neurodivergent conditions yeah. stop, be good to yourself and also you know employers as well, let people stop, let people have time. let people work to their own rhythms. yeah um because I very nearly crashed entirely. Uh, you know yeah. but but thankfully the people that I was working for at the time were really good about it and said you know yeah go take takes as much time as you need to to stop and and regroup and and I did and i've I've been pretty good ever
0: since really as you say that is important so is there any other things you tend to practice for self-care
1: yeah I mean I I, I um I try to I try to meditate um which I think works oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm sure not but I do I do transcendental meditation um, which is which there's been there's been quite a bit of research into transcendental meditation and meditation generally and and ADHD. Yeah. Um, and and and, you know, apparently, I mean, people who do transcendental meditation and and they would say this, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. But apparently, apparently, you know, apparently it really works really well and it really helps people with ADHD. Yeah. Um, and I think it probably does. Actually, I think I think there is something about settling the mind. So transcendental meditation basically is very simple, and and it's yeah, and I don't know if you you know too much about it, but it's you know it's, kind of like, it's very, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like an old it's an old practice, and it's and it's not um you know quite, what I quite like about about transcendental meditation is it doesn't come with any kind of like ideology. It's not really yeah. very it's not it's not too quirky. It's quite it's quite basic and quite simple really, um, and 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 it's it's um you basically get given a mantra that you sort of sit for 20 minutes and repeat and you don't have to try too hard. This is the other thing as well. Sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't and that's fine. You don't try too hard and you do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes sort of of an evening and it's basically, you know, 40 minutes in your day to kind of settle your mind and that will help you be, be calmer and more productive. And, I, and whether it's a placebo or not, I don't know, but I, but I do find it works. And I think for somebody with a busy mind like ADHD or again, any other kind of neurodivergence, divergence actually, having that t- taking that time to stop and to th- and to just clear your mind
0: yeah,
1: and to to just rest your mind. Yeah. It can be really helpful actually.
0: However, as you said, like that. I think probably because, like, the repetitiveness of it, like, and what's tend to be called with stimming and, like, that type of behavior, probably just like, helps kind of like relax the of minds. Because, probably, as I said, if you're repeating like that kind of mantra, it probably, like, kind of like gives you things and things to do because, like, you are yeah, doing that, and then, you know, like, kind of. Like I guess, we do a set sort of defaults for like at least twenty minutes, and then mm-hmm. you can I guess be a bit refreshed then on after that.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think I, I think it's also there's something about the fact that you've got to sort of do it in the morning and do it in a, in a, in an evening. I, and I'm, I must confess, I'm not I'm yeah. not always brilliant at keeping that schedule, but having that sort of anchor point at the beginning and the end of the day. Yeah. can be can be quite can be quite nice as well you know can yeah. quite help quite helpful for somebody who's scatty and disorganized yeah. actually you know 20 minutes in what in the morning i do this 20 minutes in the evening i do that i think it, i think it's helpful in that regard as well actually. yeah
0: no uh, as i said if it's important if you found, found something trade it and then if you notice any you like balances are a bit like stressed then you know like check even like if you don't always remember to it but if you can remember that at that times then that's a very important thing and then can you
1: I also think doing do, doing stuff you enjoy for yeah. self-care is really important as well. I um, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not a sort of a huge lover of physical exercise, really. Like I don't like really yeah. like go for a run. I don't think like I've always struggled to commit to going to the gym, always struggle yeah. to commit to doing that kind of stuff. But what I do do is play football, right? Yeah, and I like, I play on a Tuesday evening. You know, I'm really into football. I like football. I'm a football fan and I like playing football on a tuesday evening at seven o'clock i play football right a yeah. group of group of friends just five side little five side game that we have and um there's something about the fact that this might be a bit obvious but again i think it's it's a heightened experience yeah there's something about the fact that i enjoy that and that it's something yeah. that i'm really into that my hyper focus kicks in and all tuesday i'll be thinking about going and playing football i'll be thinking about this seven o'clock moment where i get to go and do something that i yeah. really enjoy and you know, that can be anything, that could be, you know, that could be anything. It could be video gaming, yeah. it could be cinema, it could be watching a yeah. film, it could be you know, it could be anything that that, that brings you joy. Yeah. Um, making sure that's in your day and sort of utilizing your hyper focus to be hyper focused on that thing that brings yeah. you that brings you joy. And just as it happens with football, it's physical as well, so it's exercise, yeah. which is really good. I think I think that helps. You know carving out moments of joy for yourself is just really really important. If I was to sort of yeah. summarize, you know one of the things I'm I'm learning a lot about ADHD still and I'm learning a lot about the way that ADHD imp- impacts me still. Yeah. I hear lots of arguments about overdiagnosis. Yeah. And I hear lots of arguments about people being wrongly diagnosed. Yeah. And I think my 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 kind of and, and, and there's a separate conversation about medication and about medicating and about the sort of pharmaceutical industry and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I get that. I accept that. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would stress about a diagnosis is just how helpful a diagnosis yeah. is in terms of contextualizing what you're going through in your brain. Yeah. And you cannot, you cannot underestimate knowing what's happening in your brain yeah. and knowing why you feel a certain way Knowing why you act a certain way, putting me- that that scaffolding that we've talked about, the yeah. sort of scaffolding around your brain that can help you through some of those things, whether it's being re- super organised or it's you know it's it's yeah. just giving yourself a break every now and again or whatever it may be.
0: As I think my with that you know it kind of relates to the point you were saying about early on you know with your, gra- your grandfather then noticing some treats, because then at the minute if you get up under the person in the family that gets diagnosed. And I think, like, what's common now is that, you know, people can be able to look at, like, a family member who's so straight for, uh, like, ADHD and then get a diagnosis of that because we're relating the traits and symptoms to themselves as, you know, it's genetic condition. you know, as I said, you know, it's a point where people are starting to learn a bit more about themselves and become more sensitive. Think we're talking about
1: a lot more. One hundred percent, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's brilliant, and I think you know I'm I am I as I've got into my adulthood uh, as I've got into adulthood, and 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 because I've been given the opportunity to kind of create the you know craft the career that I've crafted, Mm. I am I am no longer defined by the limitations of of ADHD. I'm I'm defined by the opportunities that ADHD offers me, right? The creative doors that it op- opens, the, the natural and wonderful curiosity um, that ADHD uh, allows me to have and, and the way in which I see the world through the prism of having ADHD. And it, and that it sort of feeds me with that impatience to explore stuff and uh, yeah. an un- unquenching thirst for knowledge and, um, you know, quantities that have driven a personal and professional success in me. And, and I, I think that I'm, you know, when I hear those arguments about overdiagnosis, I'm plagued by the idea that there are people or, or, or you know, people who talk about overdiagnosis or misunderstanding what the condition entails like, like um, poor poor Rory Smith did. <laughs> no, yeah.
0: no,
1: no disrespect to Rory Smith. I feel like I've given him a hard time here <laughs> unnecessarily. Um, or, or, or those people who sort of doubt that they exist, that the, that the condition exists yeah. at all. I'm haunted by the fact that there are going to be people out there who are going to spend their whole lives, whole lives, believing that they are not capable or suffering at the the hands of a simple misunderstanding that condemns them to a life of being defined by their shortcomings rather than their, the unique things that make them successful. You know, I exist because of ADHD. I'm able to do what I do. We are here together, you and I talking, you know, here because of ADHD and, and I, I was given an opportunity to see my brain for what it is and to yeah. make my brain work for me. It changed my prospects. It changed my life. It offered me the chance to not only survive, but to thrive, right? Yeah. And, and I, like I say, I'm haunted by the fact that there are people out there who will spend their lifetimes not able to yeah. do that.
0: As you're saying with that, you know, I guess were like fortunate that you could get an early diagnosis and then, as you're saying about people getting diagnosis right now and where you're passing it against the idea of it being like seen as overdiagnosis, then is because, as you say, like people and like yourself like only being, having a chance to know now because, you know, like as you're saying years ago that decade, even decades a few ago that not many people saw many different traits as they understand these days, especially, you know, like a lot of with as well with ADHD, then they might have being a bit more invisible. Then yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 And and, and I, I, I've seen that in the schools that I visit that that yeah. the g- girls in particular having a struggle, you know, us struggling to pinpoint what, what, what you know ADHD in girls is a, is a big problem. that I think we're starting to overcome, actually. Yeah. But um, but no, I'm incredibly proud of having ADHD. Uh, and I'm incredibly proud that I was given the chance to utilise it, to understand my brain and to make my brain work for me. And I think that's something we can't share about enough.
0: Excellent. That's amazing. Like, one more question. And I tend to ask this to the guests. What well, would make, like, the world or, like, anywhere within your life better for people who only were diverse? And is there any one thing that you could think of?
1: Um, bloody hell. That's a really big question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well,
1: There's lots, isn't there? Um, yeah. Okay, let me think about that just for a moment because yeah. that's quite an important question, isn't it? So, what would make what what thing would make life easier? Yeah, what makes life easier.
0: Yeah, anything like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah. Um. Give yourself a break. Yeah. And I, and I don't I don't just mean I don't just mean literally a break, go on holiday or you know stop doing work or whatever. Yeah. Go easy on yourself. There, there there is a there's a tendency when you have a neurodivergent condition to 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 sort of be defined by the by the the struggle of it right rather than the opportunities right so that's yeah. one one element of that but also to feel bad about the fact that you can't do things you know i sometimes i yeah. give, I, I, I do sometimes get worked up about the fact that i've forgotten to i forgot forgotten to put the dishwasher on or i've you know i haven't texted that person back in ages yeah. or you know there's this there's this thing that it's or i've missed that meeting or i've not put that in the diary or whatever it may be these you know when those shortcomings of adhd do present themselves uh, you know, c- combining yeah. the shortcomings of ADHD presenting themselves with being hypersensitive, you can beat yourself up and you can give yourself a really hard time. Give yourself a break. Yeah, we're all we're all navigating life in our own way. We're all figuring it out one day at a time. Nobody really knows what they're doing here. Yeah. Nobody has. Nobody really has all of the answers. Go easy on yourself. Don't be bogged down by the anxiety of it. You're doing absolutely fine. Give yourself a
0: break. Excellent point to make. And do you want to just promote anything or like just tell people where you can that you you want social media or anything like that?
1: Yes, fine. come on. Yes, I, I'd love a chat about ADHD and I love a chat about neurodivergency in general, in general. So, uh, so yes, uh, at Daryl Morris, I'm just Daryl Morris. I think on most yeah. of the most of the social places. So, Instagram is Daryl Morris. Yeah. I'm a bit bigger on Twitter. I do a bit more on Twitter, so uh, but then Elon Musk has destroyed that, hasn't he? So being on there a bit less. Uh, But at Daryl Morris is where you can find me. Yeah, Yeah, come say hi.
0: Thanks again for Daryl for coming on the podcast. I know he really enjoyed his time on the podcast and found this was a great experience for him. And I really hope you did enjoy it as much as he did. He gave great insight on his ADHD and his diagnosis. uh, and how we helps him and advance him in his career, of journalism and broadcasting, and how in a creative careers such as journalism and broadcasting, can stuff like ADHD help? That really, really was explained in this. I think. Hopefully, you can give me some feedback. If you wanna give further feedback. Uh, questions for guests, questions for myself, to trans on this podcast, you can at, well, you can neocast at uh, a-a-r-o-c-r-e-o dot com. That's newcast at com. As I said, neocast at a-a-r-o-c-r-e-o dot com. And that can be used if you got any pictures for... Uh, if you want to be a guest coming on a podcast, got great ideas for episodes, got exciting ideas that you think I should do on this podcast or any uh, brand deals and partnerships they want to advertise and sponsor this podcast, please contact me for that on that email address that I just give out and as I said there, there will be another episode this week with uh, This week will be with Jessica Espin, the Jessica Espin interview. She'll be going through her diagnosis of uh, dyspraxia, uh, dyslexia, autism, ADHD, and chronic illnesses like endometriosis. She'll be going in depth detail about her chronic illnesses as well as her experiences with school and. Her, her experiences of seven her story with new and her and this will give some details into mental health illnesses and experiences with trauma and um certain meltdowns, which can be distressing for some people. I thought I'd give you a pre warning and a pre uh, out you know course and there will be details further details in the episode description. And I'll hopefully enjoy that and I'll get working on that quite soon anyway to get that by Thursday at, the, at a similar, at a non-confirmed time as I just want to get these episodes out when and when I can. Thanks for listening and if you're in these intros and outros you heard a bit of drilling or like a bit of background noise, neighbours Oven wolves uh, sorted, so hopefully that hasn't been a too much distraction for you. And just to conclude, this has been a in a uh, podcast by artistically a for the artistically Art's uh Neo rainbow project. And this has been the new the new uh, cast podcast. Thanks you. So hope to you hope f- for you to listen next time, Henry. Anyway. Thank you and goodbye.